there. I'm Jacob Harmon from JMH Media. Welcome to TrustCast. I am intrigued by trust. In fact, I find myself thinking about trust and building trust all the time. Our governments, economies, and even our personal lives are completely built on trust. Think about it. Trust is even at the very soul of our marketing objectives. If a customer trusts us, they're more willing to buy from us. So how do we build trust with customers at scale? Especially when we live in an increasingly digital world where consumers are less trusting than ever. On this podcast, we break through the noise and focus on the ultimate keystone metric that matters. Our primary objective, trust. Welcome back to another episode of TrustCast, the podcast where we talk about building trust and brand loyalty. And today we have a real treat for you. We have Eric McNeil of Diamond Financial Group. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. Of course. I'm happy to have you here. And more than anything, I'm really excited to dive into a topic that I think is very, very important when you're talking about trust. And that is how you deal with sensitive information. Because I really haven't talked to anybody who's in the financial space up to this point. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's a very highly regulated and very difficult market to be in because you literally have to get someone to trust you before they're willing to give you their social security numbers and their address and all their background information. Like literally you, you have all this data on, on your customers and you have to be protecting that at all times. Right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the biggest role that we would play here in our industry is being a fiduciary. I think times have changed so much where, you know, you represented yourself as or a stockbroker or an investment advisor, whatever it might be like, Hey, turn over your money, we can help you get money just like your neighbors did, get the same returns. And like, fantastic. And they give you your money and then they run away and they never pay you back. <laughs> yeah. So times have definitely changed. It's been so highly regulated, as you mentioned, but I think that's just better for, for the today's world. You know, like it makes it a little bit more difficult um, on my side, uh, on the working side, right, for the career. However, it becomes so much more rewarding because like you said, it is a difficult catch. Um, but if it was easy and everyone's doing it, you know, it's not as fun. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the regulation side of things first. Then, um, is it as simple as that to make someone trust you Just say, Hey, we're, we're certified with whatever boards. I know nothing about this financial space, but <laughs> I, I have this certification or that certification and therefore you can trust me. Is it, is it that simple or, or is it a little um, lot deeper than that? A lot of times, and this is the reason why I started through the bank channel, right? Um, not everybody knows Eric McNeil, but just about everybody knows Wells Fargo or U.S. <laughs> Bank or Chase, right? So yeah. you start with brand recognition, right? And they've all done a pretty good job at building trust, building loyalty. So that's how it typically starts, um, especially in my line of work. I don't know if anybody or any listeners have interest in starting up in the career and it's a very rewarding career. However, you need to start with recognition, right? And, and that's just building your resume. So to answer your question, I started through the banking route, um, which stays on my resume. And then I went and passed all of my exams necessary. Um, and I'm also working on a professional designation. 
Um, so once I have all that done, you know, with my chartered financial consultant, it's recognized across the board. Um, it actually allows me to start working, you know, with like professional athletes and being within that world. And then they kind of have that sponsor, if you will. Right. So the more you can do, the better off it is for you. Um, there are websites as well. It's pretty cool. It's called Broker Check. Uh, you can type in anybody who has a license in that database and it tells you their full history. Huh. So it'll tell you the year, all the exams that I passed, the years that I passed them, my education, and the best part, anytime a customer complains <laughs> and they want to keep it on your permanent record, that is such a bummer if you end up on that. Yeah. Um, you want to avoid that at all costs. And that's why I think people are, you know, in our industry are a lot more careful and not a lot of people understand. It's like if I take you out to lunch, for example, Jacob, and I'm trying to make you a client of mine, we're interviewing each other. It's not just you interviewing me anymore, right? Like mm -hmm. if I see you as a guy who's going to cause me headaches or potentially complain, right? Like I don't want that on my record because then it's going to prevent me from more, getting more clients, you know? So um, as funny as that sounds, I mean, it's, it's a mutual interview the first time you guys meet. Yeah, that's a super interesting thing. And I, I think that it's important that all businesses do a little bit of that too, not just highly regulated um, people like in the financial industry. Because really, at the end of the day, I found, and I, I think that you're going to find this across the board, but some of the hardest clients of mine, the ones that want to haggle on price, the ones that don't want to pay, the ones that, that are just a pain to work with, I probably knew that the first time I met them, but I took right. them on as a client. <laughs> I, I took them on as a client because I needed a client, you know, or I needed the money. And I think too often in business, we get stuck in that when we really should think twice about, do I really want to deal with this client? <laughs> 100%. And it's not demeaning in any way, right? I think that people who work independently or find their own clients, they kind of see where we're coming from. I can see where it sounds a little bit arrogant or demeaning, but if you're in the business of, you know, commission sales and you're building relationships and lifetime clients, because I mean, I don't know how it is on your side, but for me, it's not just a one sell and done. Like I do planning. So these clients are going to be for lifers, including, you know, eventually when it passes on to their heirs, I can bring on their kids as new clients. Right. So it's so much like you said, man, like in the first interaction, you can just tell, right? Just kind of the way they carry themselves, the way they talk to you. And that's so funny. Start immediately talking about pricing, haggling, you know, just like, oh my gosh, are they going to call me every single day? Because if they do, right, it's, again, it's not a rude thing, but if they're calling me every single day, right, that takes away from me being able to study for other clients and mm -hmm. doing research, you know, and improving my overall portfolios, like it just takes away so much time and effort for, and it's really like, you don't make a ton of money on each client. It's, it's a volume game. Right. And so, yeah, you can't let that get in your way. I was just thinking about that today, like midday. I was like, man, we need to stop needing a sale. Yeah. You can't. The second you need a sale, your book is going to get tarnished so fast. You, you just can't do it. Yeah. And, and when you're desperate, not only do you take on clients that at the end of the day are going to come back to bite you, but you also become a worse salesman um, and you're going to. Yeah, they can smell it. 
I've always said that you can smell desperation and it's disgusting. Yep. A hundred percent. So really, I mean, in business and, and eventually I think everyone gets to the point where they can pick and choose and they can say, Hey, I don't want to work with this type of person. I do want to work with this person. But sometimes when you're just getting started, you, you kind of need every cell you can get. Right. And so what are some of the things that people can look for? Like, what are some of the big red flags to say, Hey, I don't want to work with this person. Um, even if they're willing to pay me, like I need to walk the other way. What are, what are some things that would, would be red flags for you? Are you, um, in business in general or in my, in my line of work with the financial industry? Well, let, let's talk in your line of work and then I'm sure that we'll get some lessons for business in general. Sure. Okay. Um, as I mentioned, you can smell desperation. Okay. And, and it goes hand in hand with what, you wanted me to come on here today, right? And building trust. If you're getting desperate and you need a sell, you need money, the human nature, you're going to be tested. You're going to want to maybe hide some things or maybe exaggerate a number here, you know, like it's, it's bound to happen if you need that sell, right? So first things first, if you're going to go in a line of work commission-based, make sure you have funds to fall on and a book of business already. So that way your bases are covered. If you can at least cover your expenses, go ahead and take your risk, right? Mm -hmm. Now going into like kind of red flags, there's a fine line of pushy and I guess uh, bold, right? You're going to have advisors who, for me, for example, I think a part of my planning, I think life insurance is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. It's not just to pay off your debt. Like if I were to pass away, I don't want my wife to go replace my income. I want her to have the same lifestyle and take care of the kids and like continue to go on, right? Like that's one less burden. She just lost her spouse, like at the very least financially take care of that, right? So Mm -hmm. it's funny, but not a lot of people see that. And so if I'm talking to a client and they're just like, nah, I don't really see the importance of it. I don't really care. I'm gonna try one more time, right? It's not because I'm desperate for a sell. I'm just like, look, you're probably 25, 30, you feel invincible, you don't think it's important. Like, let me try one more time. If it still doesn't click, okay, let's move on, right? So, I mean, I think the advice to someone trying to sell on that side, look, if they don't get it the first time, maybe they just didn't understand it, Mm -hmm. try it again. And then from there, you gotta move on. Because if you go again, you're gonna miss everything. And then the issue is, they miss the whole spectrum of what I do. I'm a planner. I do investments. I do retirement. I do, you know, life insurance, taxation, legal work. Like I do so much, but if I press the issue on one concept too much, I'm going to miss out on a ton of business, you know? And so if everything else works fine, I get their investments. I do everything else. Then they're going to be like, Hey, let's circle back to that. Right? Like, why is that important again? Or my neighbor said it, or I heard on the radio. Right? So you just more, the most important thing is if your advisor is not trying to build a relationship and they don't tell you why a recommendation or help you see how a recommendation is going to affect you, do not do it. Call someone else. Mm-hmm. If, if not, they're just pushing a product to collect a commission. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I think that that's a great thing to look for in business in general is, they should be able to back up 
the reasons why they're trying to sell you something or, or the reasons why it would be beneficial to you. I mean, it's marketing 101, right? Like you're selling value. You're not selling a product. And if you are just selling a product for the product's sake, then, then that's not good. (laughs) Tell me about it. So it's like, just like this, for example, right? And like you tell your client, Hey, let me tell you something really quick about some life insurance. They're probably going to turn off. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about, it. I don't really, you know, it's insurance. Ew, I don't, I don't really know too much. I don't really care. It's just going to cost me money. Yep. Don't care. Right. But if I'm doing your planning, I'm like, Hey, so do you have anything in place if you're to pass away? Like how, how set are you and your family? Well, what do you mean? Well, do you have like cash reserves or do you have anything that's going to take care of your income? No. Oh shoot. Like, what do you want to do if that were to happen? Well, I don't know. My wife's going to have to go to work. Well, I have something that can take care of that. Are you interested? Well, yeah, let's see what it looks like. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So like, there's a way to go about it because I'm asking the question first and then it kind of moves into it. And it's not, it's not being, I know a lot of people can kind of, you see that like sleazy or you're trying to find a way around it. It's not, it's like you, the, the best, you know, inventions, the best products are the ones that solve problems. So I look for a problem and then I find a solution. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think that's super important is just, problem solving right? yeah. and that takes care of 90% yourself. I love it. It's such a big thing. And that's one of the big reasons why I ever even started this podcast is I was sick of all the problems and the ways that people were doing business. And I just wanted to talk about like the right way to do it, which is by solving problems and helping people. So I, c- I couldn't agree I more. It. So you mentioned before that with all these regulations and things, um, one bad review can be on your record for the rest of your life. Um, and I know that almost all businesses deal with reviews in one way or another, whether that's like Google reviews or Yelp reviews or whatever, Facebook, but obviously they're, they have a little more weight in your industry, but what are some ways to make sure that people are willing to talk well about you and not go and leave a bad review about you? Yeah. Um, it's what we're talking about today. Like if they sense for a second that your interest is above theirs, they're going to turn off so fast, so fast. Um, and so the reason why I transitioned out of banking into the independent world is because at the bank, you have like your traditional financial advisors, right? I dealt with clients from 250 to 3 million in investable assets. They would come in. They, we would present them with a portfolio, kind of like, hey, when do, you, when do you want to retire? How much do you need in retirement? Let's help you get there. Like, it's very, very straightforward. You just invest, right? But then you'd have some market pullbacks, and the client would be like, oh, shoot, you know, I'm, I only made 3 three to 5%, and my, my neighbor got 7 I think I'm going to go talk to his advisor, <laughs> right? And so they do a lot of hopping around because they're comparing portfolios, but if you come work with me or somebody who's a, a planner, um, you know, and a fiduciary working on your behalf, they're going to sit down and you're going to have a roadmap, right? Like I'm going to talk to you about your protection. I'm going to talk to you about your budgeting. Are you putting money away towards wealth building, retirement, like everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then I run what's called a Monte Carlo simulation, which is a thousand runs in the market to determine how likely your goals are to hit. And so if we're over 95%, like that's incredibly strong. And if it's like 98%, I'm like, look, let's get a little bit more aggressive. Like there's right. like, there's no point of being at hundred percent. Like let's take a little bit of chance to get a better return. If we can be in that 95%, that's the sweet spot. So 
And the reason I say that is now let's say we have a market pullback. Let's say, oh, shoot, I was down 10% this year. Eric, what the heck's going on? You know, ever since the new administration came in, the market's down, like, what's going on? And it's like, okay, let's go to the plan. We pull up the plan. We run the simulation. We're still on track because the those simulations, they account for pullbacks, corrections, right? Like, we've had... The, in recent memory, the big 2008 pullback, we had the dot-com bubble in the 2000s. You know, even back to the Great Depression, we had 1929. Like, through history, the S&P is anywhere from 11 to 15%. After all of that, it's right. gained. So it takes, in that, it takes all of that into consideration. And so, if again, if a client comes to me and they sit down, I'm like, look, we're still on track. You can still you know, retire at X age, live off of Y income and take care of Z expenses and nothing's changed. And then that's going to, that's going to make your client sticky is you're showing them how they're benefiting and why they're benefiting. And if they go to anybody else, like what different can they do? Right? Like we put in the numbers. And so if anything now, okay, let's change your, your spending. Let's change your, how aggressive you are. Like once I have a plan together, you're likely never going to leave. Mm -hmm. Right. What I'm hearing here is really the importance of sitting down with your clients and sitting down with your customers and walking them through it. Right. I feel like too many times a business will sell the client, they'll get the money and then they'll just kind of let things go or, or let things right. ride. But really, if you're interested in building long-term relationships and long-term clients, then you need to be willing to sit down with them, whether that's a quarterly review or a yearly review or whatever that is. And every business will be a little bit different, but to sit down with that client and talk through, okay, here's what we've done. Here's how things are changing. Here's where we're looking to into the future. And I think those very simple things of just sitting down with a client to talk to them really create a lot of trust. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And so what other things, especially what you said earlier about having lifelong clients and even when they die, like their children will continue to be your clients is so fascinating right. to me. And I feel like that's a very unique thing in your industry, but what are some things that any business owner can do to ensure that their clients stick with them and become lifelong customers? Oh, that's a really good question. I think first and foremost, like do things different right? Like find a way to show value. That's not just a card, not just a thank you note. Like that, that used to be the wow factor. Like you get home, you get a letter in the mail. You're like, Hey, you know, it's like screen printed. Thank you for your business. And then it's signed in ink. So it's like, they didn't even really go through it. They just bought a bunch of pre football thank you cards, signed them and sent them out in the mail. Like that used yep. to be the, used to be the wow. But now it's like, people are getting more creative. Like, if you're a business owner and you heavily rely on this client of yours, like take them golfing regular, you know, once in a while or find out, I don't know if, if they drink like alcohol, get them like a fine wine or like, you know, some liquor or if they're, you know, find out what they're interested in without asking them, Hey, what's a good gift? Like, come on, like get creative, think outside the box. Like if you and I are sitting here talking and you really, you know, you're really heavily into this podcasting stuff. You know, I could find something that could bring you value, something cool. I can get you, I love you like your gamer chair. What if I bought you a new chair, <laughs> right? Like, and I put like something on there, like it's just something to make you feel special that yeah. I listen to you, I value you, and you know, here it is. Yeah. 
you're you're so right. Uh, so because I'm in the podcasting space, um, I follow someone on LinkedIn who's a big podcaster, and one of his guests on his show, they had mentioned during the show that oh, I'm looking into getting a new microphone or wh- or whatever because my microphone's starting to die, and that guest went and bought him a microphone and sent it to him, and it was just oh, he posted it on LinkedIn and just said my gosh, like nobody does this kind of stuff anymore, you know? Right. And it, it, I mean, the microphone's a little big. That's like a pretty big gift, but still it was, it was the fact that he listened, that he realized right. there's a problem this guy has and I can solve that problem. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm just trying to think now about some of my clients and, and some of the things that I could do for them. Uh, Cause I've had hundreds of conversations with them and I think I, I know them pretty well. <laughs> and so I'm like, Ooh, I, I should send right. this person this and I should send that person that. <laughs> right. No, I love it. And then something cool that I do as well is like, after I kind of get a new client, let's say they're like, uh, this one was really fun. So when I was at the bank, I did a lot of both sides. So I did a lot of like auto loans and I did a lot of wealth management. And so one client that I attracted was a donut shop and they're like a small local business. They hadn't really franchised yet. It was just the one, one brick and mortar. And then we had one dealership that sent us tons of deals. So what I did is I went to the donut shop. I said, Hey, can I buy five dozen donuts? She's like, what the heck? Like, are you serious? I was like, yes, we have this huge dealership that sends us a lot of business. I want to introduce them to you, let them know you have the best donuts in town and that I appreciate my clients. And she was like, oh my gosh, like, please, that's so cool. And I like, got a ton of donuts and I went down and like hand delivered them all to the dealership. And they were just like, wow, you know what I mean? So it's like when you can promote your clients, like that was such a simple gesture. It took me like 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like it's a very simple thing to do. You just have to think of if you were that person, how would you like to be treated? How would you like other people to promote you and like hear about you, you know? So that's just one example that like stuck with me that I think really impacted them. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend anybody in a line of work. If you want to retain a client, I mean, you got to do stuff like that. Yeah. And really, I think the, the effort and the fact that you did something is even more important than the actual gift. But the fact that you're thinking outside of the box and that you're thinking of them um, is huge. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's super amazing. Cool. So I guess one of the big questions that I have for you then is, since this is a marketing podcast, what are some of the the best things and the best outlets that you've been able to use to market your business? That's a great question. So a few a few things that I've been doing is, I spent a lot of time tracking down the ones, right? I try to get individuals. I try to get friends and family and then, you know, start branching out. Um, whereas if you can get, you know, a big fountain, then like you can just go fishing unlimited there, right? So it's like finding the right resources of people who are going to be getting you referrals or the, you know, or big companies, right? And so instead of just going to all of my individual family, friends, and, you know, like Instagram, which have all been really, really great resources. I started knocking around at businesses, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, I try to link up with somebody on LinkedIn, like an HR rep, something of that nature. And then that way I can just stop by and be like, Hey, is, is Susie here? They're like, Oh yeah, she's just in the back. Okay, cool. We talked online for a moment and I just want to present something. 
And then you just drop off something nice, just like, hey, you know, here's a little gift for you guys. Um, here's what I do. I would love to see if you're doing anything similar. This is how it's going to benefit you. This is how it's going to make you look like a better employer and not cost you anything. Mm -hmm. And so they're just like, holy cow, I can give something to my employees for free and it makes me look good. Who wouldn't do that? And so ever since I started doing that, it's like I had one client who, it's so funny, I went to a networking event back last year in January and um, I, I came across this client, they're kind of doing like, you know, some massages and stuff like that. And I was like, shoot, like, I'll try this out. <laughs> and like, I got one that we just got to talking and I was like, hey, let me take you out to lunch and talk to you a little bit about what I do. And just from that interaction, it turned into about almost 2000 individual clients because of all of their employees. So it's like, just from talking to the right people, right? Like you only have so many hours in a day and so many marketing dollars, make it count. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that idea of, of the efficiency, right? Um, instead of just right. marketing to friends and family, looking for, for the things that'll give you the most bang for your buck. And I think every business has that. Every business can, can look at their plan and say, okay, how can we, how can we get more bang for our buck? Whether that be time or whether that be money. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's just a simple, simple exercise and a simple question to ask yourself, you know? Absolutely. I think, um, and something I just thought of as well, I noticed um, early on in my career, I would always post, so I have a pretty decent Instagram following and that's where I do probably at 90% of my business. Now it's starting to get a little bit less just because I'm meeting so many people in person, like corporations, right? But for individuals, at least 90% plus, okay? At the very beginning, I was like, I would just go to create on my story and say, hey, if you or someone you know is looking for insurance or investments, like contact me, I'm your guy. And like, not to say that's a bad thing because it puts you, it puts you in front of mind, but they're not going to like openly respond right away because mm -hmm. they don't see the value yet. They just say, oh, you're a guy. It's like, like if I'm going to go buy a house, like, okay, I know that I have 25 real estate friends. Yeah. Like, I don't know who to use, but like, hey, they, I know that they're all there. Right. But what I started doing was I was like, okay, I need a better approach. So I started taking pictures of me working on plans. With, and I take out all of their sensitive information. None of that shows. Of course, yeah. But I, I showed like that Monte Carlo simulation, right? I said, I, it, my job's so fulfilling. I talked to a client today. They thought they were on, on track, but they only had about a 60% shot of retiring, right? And like, could you imagine in 20 years getting to where you thought you were okay and retiring and not having enough and you outlive your money? Like how valuable is it to talk to someone 20 years sooner and not have to realize that firsthand. Mm -hmm. And once I started doing that, like, holy cow, it started going crazy. Like a lot more people are responding like, hey, you know what? This actually is pretty important. Like maybe we should talk. I'm like, I'm here when you're ready. <laughs> and so now I'm not soliciting anybody anymore. Like just like I, I make sure from 12, 12 to 1, I work on social media. Like it's part of my work calendar now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, if you're not using social media, like you're falling behind. That's where everyone's at. And someone even says, I think it was Gary Vee, he was like, even Super Bowl commercials, as soon as the game's not playing anymore, you get on Instagram, you get on Facebook, like you get on your phone. And so people are paying millions of dollars for a Super Bowl commercial, but you have Instagram for free at your fingertips. 
Yeah. And so it's like, learn how to get some good content, find out what works for your followers and provide massive value for free and people will come to you. Yeah. And I, I want to underscore that last sentence that you just said, provide massive value for free. I think really that's the real secret is as you provide value to your network and they start to see that value, then as you said before, they will come to you. You don't need to solicit anymore because you will have a lot of inbound clients at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where it gets you, right? You need to create create a way to attract inbound. Like you can't constantly be doing the outbound stuff. Yeah. It, it gets exhausting. You lose. And not, it's not always about momentum. It's about discipline, right? You're not going to wake up every day, you know, motivated to do what you got to do. A lot of times discipline kicks in. You don't want to do it, but you got to. Yeah. Right. And so just by creating that from outbound to inbound is crucial to keeping your business alive. Yeah. And I know there's people out there who love selling and like they get a lot of energy from that, yeah. but I know most people oh, yeah. and definitely oh, me, no, for sure. <laughs> I don't. I, I tell you, man, I've, had, I've had some people kick back and I'm like, look for me for business. Like it's pretty true. Like I think Dwight Schrute might give me some kickback, but, <laughs> <laughs> but for like the most part, like even like if you're dieting, right. I do like a lot of the fitness stuff. So like, like, I'm just not motivated today, but I know I got to go to the gym. I know I got to eat right. It's just easy to skip it. It's easy to not hop on the calls and do two hours of cold calling. It's easy to not do some of the admin, especially if you're working from home and it's COVID and you got your couch like 20 feet away calling your name. Like, it's easy to step away, mm-hmm. right? It's not always motivation. A lot of it is discipline and you have to you know, find your strengths and weaknesses and and that's just going to, you know, make or break you. Yeah. But if you put in that investment now, if you invest into that valuable content and all that, it it takes a lot of hard work, but eventually you get to the point where those clients are coming to you. It's all inbound. And then you don't have to worry as much about that outbound strategy. Although I think that there's always a place for that for sure. But I think putting in that effort right now, it's just like financial investments. You invest that time, you invest that effort and you will reap the dividends and the rewards in the future. Right. Absolutely. Like if you go and you start an investment portfolio, it's not just your initial investment. You got to add to it monthly or else like you're missed out on so much. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I put in a ton of time to get my stuff ready, but every single day for at least an hour, I hop on social media and I'm just like, okay, how am I going to add some value today? How am I going to attract people today? And even if it's not about attracting them, it's like, no matter what I'm doing, even if it's lifestyle, I want people to be thinking about me. Like, they'll see me driving around, like, oh, I'm going to get Chipotle today. Okay, well, you're thinking about Eric all day, right? Like, you see him daily, and then now I'm going to post some value. You're like, okay, now this is really interesting. That's really cool, right? It's like, that way you don't get burned out on the same stuff. You know, hit them with a couple of different things, but be active. Yeah, very, very cool. Okay, well, we have covered so much already, and I just love this concept of creating a lifelong customer. I think that that's such an important thing to think about. Is there anything that we haven't covered when it comes to branding or marketing or creating a a powerful brand that you would like to mention before we sign off, Eric? I just think what you are trying to hit home with this podcast is so, so vitally important um, of trust. In, the, in this world of social media, e-commerce, it is so hard to have to trust people, but we end up having to a little bit because of like the nationwide touch. A lot of people are starting their own companies. And 
So it's important to do your due diligence. It's important to meet the person. So for me, I know I'm sorry, my camera's not working. No, you're good. <laughs> it's a little, you know what I mean? So, it's, But it's like, I love the face-to-face. I meet my clients at least once. My, like I said earlier, my very first meeting is rarely about business. I go, I get lunch with them. We meet each other. Do we get along? You know, at the very least, can it be, you know, professional? And then go from there. And then from there, we can do everything on Zoom because we already know each other. We've seen each other. But it's up to them. I leave everything in the client's hand. I don't force anything. And you just got to be patient. You have to be bold, but you got to be patient. Yeah. So you're awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. I hope uh, I provided some value here as well. You absolutely did. And thank you, Eric, for being on the show. Uh, where can people follow you? You mentioned Instagram that you're pretty active on there. Uh, where else can people follow you if they want to follow along? Instagram is the best place, Eric underscore McNeil. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn under Eric McNeil, and the same with my Facebook. But where I'm active daily is on Instagram. Even feel free to put my number in here. Uh, it's 480-296-9037. I would love to take calls, texts, whatever. Just don't sell me anything. <laughs> if it's valuable, I'll take a listen. But I would love to help anybody out. Honestly, um, I get questions all the time if I have limits for my clients. Um, ideally, 100 grand is for starting an investment, but I got in the industry for one reason and one reason alone is to help. And so I will never turn down a conversation regardless of the money you have. I'm always here to help and provide value. If you have any questions on getting started, don't hesitate. Well, thank you, Eric. And I'll I'll throw all your information in the show notes. Uh, so you listening at home, go ahead and just look at the show notes in your podcast app and reach out to Eric. Thank you so much again for being here, Eric. I appreciate all the value you've provided. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. We'll talk soon. Yep. See ya. Thank you for listening to TrustCast. This podcast has been a production of JMH Media. I'm Jacob Harmon, and I've been your host. The TrustCast podcast team consists of Josh Harmon and Steve Hill. I really couldn't do this without them. Music licensing comes thanks to Epidemic Sound. And if you've liked what you've heard, we invite you to subscribe to TrustCast in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Join us next time as we continue to break through the noise by building real human connections and trust in business. See you then.